to your brothers and sisters a lesson from Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Emmanuel, Jesus. You gotta love Joseph. Here in this lesson, we meet the other half of this most blessed couple. We met Mary last week, and now we get to meet Joseph. And we're given very little detail about Joseph. In fact, nowhere in all of the New Testament are we given a single word that Joseph says. We're told that he's a guy, a normal Jewish man betrothed to Mary. Remember, it's a long engagement. They've been engaged, as it were, for years and years and years. And he probably was looking forward to being married, looking forward to moving out of his parents' house, being married to his wife, starting a family of his own. But so far, nothing remarkable has come up about Joseph. It's when you look at what he does that you really have to admire him. Because Joseph has these plans, he has these hopes, these dreams, but he finds out that his betrothed is pregnant. And obviously, Joseph being a good Jew, a good upright man, for obvious reasons, he knows the baby cannot be his. He feels betrayed. Honestly, any of us would, right? And what do we do when we are wronged, when we are hurt, when we are betrayed? We look for revenge. We're not sitting in some room plotting an elaborate plot for revenge necessarily, but we react we raise our voice, we use choice words, or we call somebody and we say, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me. We want to express how much we have been hurt. That's how we get. We gossip about the person that has hurt us, or we let them have it, or we do something to get them back because we want to make the person who hurt us hurt for what they did. But look at Joseph. None of that seems to be on his mind. 
Joseph, an upright man, a man familiar with the law, he knows exactly what could happen to Mary if he gave her a public divorce. At that time, the maximum penalty for a woman caught in adultery, and that's what this was, even though they were betrothed to each other, cheating on your betrothed it was tantamount to adultery. A woman caught in adultery, the maximum punishment was death. And even if she got a lesser sentence, she would be subject to public disgrace. This black blotch would be on her record for the rest of her life. A scarlet letter would hang over her head. In other cultures at this time, it wasn't uncommon to shave the head of an adulteress so that everyone would know what she had done. Mary would be cast out of her synagogue. She wouldn't be allowed into community meetings. She likely would never marry again. Joseph didn't want that for her. You have to admire how rational he was able to be, even though he very real, in a very real way was hurt. Joseph was not a robot. He was a human being. His betrothed, according to him and his observation, his betrothed, his beloved, had cheated on him. And yet he's still concerned with doing the right thing. I don't know exactly how he planned to go about getting a divorce, going to the priest one-on-one, -on -one, requesting a certificate of divorce, begging the priest not to mention this to anybody, and then maybe simply just sending Mary home to her parents and then moving on. Who knows? But the Lord had other plans. Because Joseph didn't exactly have his facts right, right? God sends an angel to talk to Joseph in a dream, a lot like the prophets of the Old Testament when they received messages from God in their dreams. Joseph sees a vision from an angel. I'm not given a name for the angel. Last week we met Gabriel. Maybe this is Gabriel again. Who's to say? But Gabriel says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What does fear have to do with it? Well, any of you who have been betrayed know exactly what fear has to do with it. Because when somebody wrongs you, your, your fear is, if I forgive them, if I welcome them back into relationship with me, if I say, it, if I bury it and put it in the past and try to allow them back into my life, will they hurt me again? Am I opening myself up to further betrayal? The angel of the Lord says, don't worry about that. Mary didn't cheat on you. You have not been betrayed. Far from it. Mary is faithful to her covenant with you just as God is faithful to his covenant with mankind. Joseph made a really good, a really solid, a really righteous decision to try to, to divorce Mary quietly. That doesn't mean Joseph wasn't a sinner. We are told that he is a descendant of David. Old King David was a man familiar with adultery because he committed it himself. David was familiar with sexual promiscuity because he committed it himself. David was familiar with having multiple children by multiple wives because he did that himself. David, in short, was a sinner. And so was his son and his son after him, passing along this genetic 
sin from one generation to the next down to Joseph. We can call Joseph a sinner because he was in the line of David. And this is not just a problem with the descendants of David. This is a problem with all of us because it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. In fact, that's what makes what Joseph does so remarkable. It's because that's not the usual we get from humans, right? That's not the usual that we ourselves do. When we hurt, we want to make other people hurt. We mistreat each other all the time. When somebody does something like this, not wanting to subject another person to public disgrace, the reason it's so impressive is because it goes against what is so imbued in our nature, which is to hurt each other. The angel tells Joseph that what is conceived in Mary is not from you, not from a person, but from God. And you are going to be like a stepdad to this kid, Joseph. And you are supposed to give him the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves. And just in case Joseph didn't quite get what was going on, just in case Joseph didn't understand that the Messiah was going to be born of a virgin, just in case he didn't read those prophecies in the Old Testament, the angel really spells it out. Name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sin. That's what Jesus was born to do, to save us, to break that sinful cycle. Because Jesus was born in a way, not like us. He wasn't born with that sin that was handed down from generation to generation. He never once committed a sin from birth onward. But in another way, he was born exactly like us. Human. The Son of God in human flesh. Jesus knows exactly what it is to live a life with other people, other human beings who are mean who are hurtful, who say bad things, who mistreat each other. Jesus endured it all his whole life. And why? Why give up the throne of heaven to be born of a lowly virgin named Mary in a rinky-dink town called Nazareth to an ordinary guy like Joseph? Why give all that up to dwell here? So that he could save us. And so that he could make good on his other name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, this lesson has me thinking that the most beautiful preposition in all the English language is with. Not among or through or against or between or whatever, with. Would you like your burger with cheese? Would you like fries with that, would you like to see the new Spider-Man movie with me? Would you, like to would you like to spend your Christmas with us? With is a beautiful preposition. It's the preposition of relationship, of shared time, of shared space, of being together, relationship. My wife and I have been, have been with each other for six years, for example. Jesus came to be, to make this a reality, that God is with us. How? 
how can that be? Because God is so different than us. We talked about how sinful we are. There is no sin in God. He is always just. He is always righteous. He is always perfect. And we are so different than he is. How can we be with him and how can he be with us? Because Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord saves, was born to take away our sin. To remove that problem with our relationship with God. To forgive it, to crucify it on the cross, and in its place to give us his own righteousness. So that God is with us, not in wrath, not in anger, not in punishment of our sin, but in love, in grace, in mercy, in forgiveness. God is with us. This evening, when you head home, and when you get ready for bed, I would highly recommend that before you close your eyes for the last time today, you open up a Bible and go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Because that psalm is all about how God is with us. It talks about how you can't go anywhere to escape God's presence. And that sounds scary. And it would be if God were full of wrath towards us, if God still harbored our punishment for us against our sin. But God is with us in love. So when you get into your car and go home today, God is in your car with you. If you went on a backpacking trip over the Appalachian Trail, God is with you. If you hop on a plane and go all the way to New Zealand or Australia, God is with you. And if you get into a boat and go out into the middle of the ocean, thousands of miles from civilization, guess where God is? Right there with you. You can't run away from God. You can't escape his love. God is with you every second of every day, and you know that as a fact, because God saves. Because Jesus lived up to his name, the Lord saves. And he lived up to his other name that's given in this text, Emmanuel, God with us. He always is, he always will be, loving and forgiving forever. Amen.